Good evening, everyone. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and I'll be hosting a special live broadcast tonight on 760 WJR. We're going to be talking about the prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is with us tonight to talk about how to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether and what you need to do to prevent Alzheimer's and many other chronic diseases. If you have a question, we're opening up the lines and taking your calls, so make a note of this number. It's 800-859-0957 or repeated throughout the show, and this is your chance to talk directly to the doctor. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to 760 WJR. Again, I'd like to welcome all of you to a special medical show here on 760 WJR. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here tonight to talk to you about prevention and why you have to start looking at healthcare from a different perspective. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, is joining us from Birmingham, Michigan, to give us a hard talk about dealing with our health and making sure we get all the necessary testing. We're inviting you to call in if you have a question at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, I have to say I'm happy to see you tonight. Welcome back. You've been gone in Costa Rica. What were you doing there? Well, thanks, Anne-Marie. It's a pleasure to be back and on the air locally. Uh, you know, so I'd say we had a triumphant visit to Costa Rica. Um, it's something we've been working on. I've got some help for this. Um, I mean, let's go back in time a little. Uh, and over a year you've been working on this project. a year and a half or two years. Yeah. But I was going to go back in time, like the beginning of the radio show. Right. So, you know, doing the radio show caused me to have to think about things differently. You know, not just what to say on the show, talk about the practice. But um, it gave me a lot of urgency to think about healthcare in different ways. And I've gotten a lot of ideas of, you know, for instance, I wrote a book that will come out sometime uh, either at the end of this year or early next year. And so the idea for the book came out while I was talking on the radio. Somebody asked a question and I answered it and I realized that's a book topic. And I made a note to myself and it took me a year to start writing but I got an idea for a book. So one of the things that we were, you know, Amory and I have always been talking about is, you know, how do we take the most advantage of this show? And, you know, an idea that came to me is to create a business that can provide preventive services to more people. That's the key. I'm just going to jump in here. I mean, I think you are in a very rare specialty because you're in the business of stopping disease before it starts. We know that heart attack and stroke can be prevented. We know that diabetes, and if somebody is on uh, the pathway to developing cardiac disease, you've said yourself, if they get the right testing, it can be reversed, plaque can be reversed. So then we started thinking about, well, it's fine that we're broadcasting in Detroit, but I think one of the momentous things that hit us when we first started doing this show and talking about prevention we went live. We thought everybody from Detroit would be calling, but we're getting calls from all over America. And then you realize how widespread this lack of information is. Well, yeah, so part, you know, we wanted to figure out some way to take advantage of this forum. And I thought one of the ways was to find a way to get healthcare to more people. These preventive services that we've talked about ad nauseum are just unavailable. 
So I started a company designed to deliver these services to more people at low cost. Um, and, and again, through the show, so, uh, somebody joined my practice. I don't, I'm not mentioning her name cause I didn't ask her permission to talk about her on the air, but somebody joined my practice from listening to the show. And during one of her visits, I'm talking about whatever it is I'm talking about. And, um, and she does business in Costa Rica and, here we are a year and a half later, again, a lot of hard work, a lot of preparation, a lot of planning. Um, and we, meaning our company, has been awarded a pilot study. And we're working with the private medical schools and the private hospital systems in Costa Rica. And we're going to do the world's first prospective heart attack and stroke prevention study. And what that means is perspective means we're moving forward. We're taking people on day one and we're going to follow them over time as opposed to reviewing data that's a retrospective study looking backward. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is a pretty landmark opportunity. Again, we created the opportunity. We created the business, created the whole concept uh, a way that could be delivered. And um, my partner saw an opportunity and we created that opportunity in Costa Rica. And so when the study actually begins, we're not sure, but very excited to put this whole thing together. Again, we worked really hard to make it happen. And uh, it's it's a great it's a new adventure begins. How do you think that's going to impact healthcare here? Because obviously, when you first when you first moved into you're a specialist in internal medicine, and then you saw there was a great need for having a concierge practice where you could spend more time with patients, and also specializing in prevention because you knew all these major diseases could be halted, prevented, reversed. The numbers have continued to go up every year. 700,000 men dropped dead of a heart attack a couple of years ago, and now we're up to nearly 900,000. Maybe it's even more than that. So there's no stopping the Widowmaker. It still marches on. And this is like heart month. So here we are talking about it again. Things have not gotten any better. And as we say in every show, the tests are not covered by insurance. Nobody knows about them. They don't get them. Most doctors don't prescribe them. What you did in Costa Rica is fantastic, but how is that going to impact and help the Americans here in America? Well, we're not going to have that much time to well, answer that question. Yeah, we can answer that. But um, you know, the wheels of science move slowly, and I think that it would take forever for the scientific community to recognize this on the path that's happening. So this is a kind of a wake up moment. You know, there's no question the science will show that this happens. We just have to do the study. Just follow on with it. All right, well, let's talk more about this on the other side of the break. Again, you're listening to our weekly live medical radio show where we keep you up to date on all medical solutions from dealing with COVID to avoiding catastrophic disease. We're here tonight with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, talking about prevention. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk directly to the doctor about what you need to do to prevent or reverse disease, don't hesitate to call 800-859-0957. Welcome back to our special live weekly medical show on 760 WJR. We're back again with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician in Birmingham, Michigan. 
as a recognized leader in the field of catastrophic disease prevention, including heart attack, stroke, diabetes, and many other chronic conditions, he's here tonight to give us some hard advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. Through advanced and more sophisticated diagnostic technology, we're now able to arrest and reverse the progress of these silent killers. We're inviting you to call in with any of your questions at 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, you've been telling us about your trip to Costa Rica, what you're, the study that, you're, that you enhanced and brought over to them, and where do we go from here with them? Where are they going with this? Well, it takes, you know, it's going to take six to 12 months to get the study started. And even then, the study is going to have to run for three to five years to show outcomes. Um, I don't have any concern about the outcome not coming, you know, going the way it should because we see it literally in every single patient in our office. So, right. you know, we're going to be doing it. Um, we have a caller. Yeah, we have a caller. Um, we have David from Windsor. David, what is your question? Yes, my question for Dr. Collender is this. Many times we hear about people coming, going to the doctor's office. The doctor gives them a clean bill of health, and then all of a sudden they pass away and they drop dead of a heart attack. Could, that, could, that, could it be that the doctor is missing whatever's wrong with that individual? Could it be the system? What, what could that be? Well, thanks for calling, David. And we hear about that all the time. We even hear about people passing a stress test and dropping dead of a heart attack after passing a stress test. And so that's just a, you know, those are examples of how our current healthcare system fails to identify people at risk. And, you know, in our practice, what we've learned is that when you identify people the proper way, um, you're not just identifying whether or not they have the disease that you're treating, you're able to identify their risk and assess it and decide how of intense the treatment that you need to put them on to, to kind of pull them off the edge. So all of the people out there listening, apparently in Canada also, um, they're, you're all under a preventive program that doesn't work. It uses a atherosclerotic risk assessment calculator that only is designed for people for over 40. And as we've talked about on the air many times, there are a lot of people in their 30s who have serious disease and are at risk. Um, and then that calculator is based heavily on LDL cholesterol, the sex of the person, their age. And those things don't matter anymore so much because heart attack and stroke is occurring at earlier stages. Um, so the system doesn't, it fails to identify people early. It's really built to identify people who need a surgery, you know, who need Well, a... that's somebody that's already been identified as having the disease. So that's too late. If you need surgery, you've already got something well, broken down. But that's, that's, what, that's what the system considers prevention. Um, what? Prevention of what? Well, if you have a surgery, you're, you will prevent that person from having a vascular event because you operated on them. What are you talking about? Are you talking about like doing like a, stent a stent or a bypass or, a... or something correct, like that? Correct. I mean, that's that's. But you what... haven't really, you haven't reversed or stopped the disease. We're talking about uh, we're, something uh, different. You I agree stop, with you. You prevent the disease from happening to where you need to get the bypass, right. or the stent. 
But what David's America needs to make wake up to. Right. What David's talking about is how the status quo is, and the status quo is sacrificing people who could be saved because they're not getting early prevention to identify people that need an expensive procedure or a pharmaceutical drug. And that's what's all wrong. So now we're going to be applying these processes in a research study, you know, with a university hospital um, in a prospective manner, which has just never happened. Well, I think it's what you're doing is incredible. I just hope that somehow this all pans out to the whole vast population in the United States that obviously are being disastrously underserved when it comes to the whole, you know, preventative uh, platform in medicine, because what you're doing is stopping the disease or identifying the disease way in the early stages. You're not at the point of most of the primary care physicians and cardiologists that are saying, oh, you got a blockage, now you need a stent, because that becomes a hospital admission, it becomes money, it becomes time off work, it becomes catastrophic. There's no other way of looking at it. Well, plus that person has some comorbidity, they have other problems that have been ignored. That person might be diabetic, they may have had long-standing high blood pressure. And how do you, well, you know, let, me, let me stop you there. What do you mean ignored? Ignored by whom? By their doctor? By the doctors, because they're not recognizing the disease early. So why are they not recognizing it early? They're not getting paid to do that. They're, oh. this, they're, they're just not, you know, it's, uh, you know, so to say, you know, what are we going to do here? How are we going to fix things in the United States? So you know, this was step one for our company that we started to provide these services. And um, step two or three is to try to move this here. And so we have a plan that we're not ready to, uh, in, you know, divert, divulge, but hopefully soon enough we can have some type of answer for people in our area um, or in some area in the United States, we'll be able to begin providing these uh, out there. So we have an idea of what we want to do and how to do it, just not ready to tell you what that is yet. Well, we do actually have advice right now that is germane and it's to today that everybody listening to this show and everybody anywhere needs to make sure that they vetted their doctor so that their doctor is aware of the necessary tests to prevent heart attack and stroke. All of those tests are available. You use them, you avail yourself of them. You're, you're maybe a population of a few in the country, but I think that everybody needs to go to their doctor and say, you know, are you offering the test like the CIMT and the other tests that you provide to find out about disease? And, and you not did wait? your CIMT today. I did. That was you, the second time I had it done before. I'm repeating it. I'm yeah. following your advice. I'm okay, not letting congratulations. things slide. So, uh, no, and so is my daughter and everyone else I know. And the next thing is get in and get the blood test that detects all the 50 cancers. But I mean, I, I think that if you have a primary care physician and or a cardiologist, it's incumbent on them to let you know that the screening is out there. It's not acceptable to have the widowmaker numbers continue to climb into the hundreds of thousands. So what's horrible here is that I'm going to tell you a couple of bad stories. I mean, it worked out okay because they're my patients, but they're, right. they're overall, how did this happen? So I have two patients that I've had for, you know, my entire practice, you know, to over 20 years. And they're both women, you know, I'm going to say 75 to 85 in that age range. And one of them has had an irregular heartbeat the entire time she's been with me. And so 
once we started going into the preventive uh, aspects here, I've been trying to get her to do a sleep study. Meanwhile, she has a cardiologist who, you know, no, has been treating her a regular heartbeat more than I have this for the whole time I've had it for 20 years. Mm-hmm. We finally diagnosed her with sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. And all I can think of, and mainly because she was also resistant to, to listening to me. So she finally listened to me. She did a study last year that was abnormal. She didn't want to believe it. She repeated it. A sleep study, it. you mean, that she had done? Was it a sleep study? A sleep study. It was, it was a, abnormal. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want to believe it. And then we did a second home sleep study that was same exact result pretty much. And now she agrees to go and treat it. But all I can think of is here's a cardiologist who treats irregular heartbeats who knows that sleep apnea can affect these things, yet doesn't also reinforce that this person needs a sleep study because it's part of the underlying cause of the arrhythmia. And you have to ask why, you know, and I hate to say this, but if treating the sleep apnea is going to make the problem you're treating go away and you basically lose a patient, you aren't really, you know, you aren't being incentivized to treat the underlying problem. It's terrible. Right. And we need to talk some more about uh, who needs to get the sleep apnea test because it sounds like everyone. Anyway, right now we've got to take a quick break. You are listening to a special live medical broadcast on the prevention and medical management of disease. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke or have a question on any of the subjects we're discussing tonight, please give us a call at 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on 760 WJR. We're fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention here with us tonight to give us some straight talk about two important topics, prevention and being proactive. Please tune into our weekly show Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. and live Thursday at 7 we're inviting you to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, we're going to take, Katrina has a call. Who is calling? Yes, it's Scott from Dearborn. Scott, what question do you have? Yeah, hi, doctors. Um, I've called in before about the uh, echocardiogram test. I believe you guys asked me to have. Yes. My brother had pre- pre-existing conditions. Um, uh, what, what's uh, the CMIT test? What's that all about? Well, the CIMT is your carotid intima media thickness test, and that is a ultrasound of your carotid artery, which is in your neck. And okay. <laughs> excuse me, we take measurements of the layers of your artery wall, and one of those layers is where plaque buildup occurs. And there's a lot of data that suggests or tells us that. The thicker that layer, the greater your risk is of having a cardiovascular event. And so what we do in my practice is we use that as a data point to measure our progress. And if we see plaque, um, we risk stratify the patients, not based on their LDL cholesterol levels or this formula that doesn't work, but on inflammation markers that measure the inflammatory process of making plaque and that intima media layer that that we measure in the CIMT. So to me, that's a really important test to do. And um, we check it several times during, you know, the course of the patient's time in the practice. So if someone has plaque and we're working hard on them, 
Um, I make sure that we check that measurement once a year. Other people might check it every couple of years. It just depends on, you know, what type of activity and, you know, we're working on that particular person. But to me, that is the most important test because it gives us the information that identifies risk the best. It's amazing how many people, even of the listeners that we have, and how many people out there aren't familiar with the CIMT and about how profoundly simple it is. It's easy, it's quick, it's fast, it's 10 minutes, it's non-invasive. The big problem is the doctors are not recommending it. I don't think cardiologists are even recommending it. Well, no, because they're not trained to prevent disease. They're trained to prevent, identify disease that needs an operation. So, if, excuse me, the whole system is designed to identify end-stage disease. And what we do is wherever you are when you walk in the door, that's when we start treating you. We don't wait for anything. If you have disease, then that's hopefully the worst place you'll ever be. We'll pull you back. If you don't have a disease, well, then we have an opportunity to make sure that you never have plaque. We don't say see you later. We still identify all the drivers of disease that can cause chronic illness and address them. So I might not check your CIMT for three years. I might not do another calcium score for five years, but we're still checking the blood work once or twice a year to measure our progress on all of the conditions that can impact chronic, uh, multiple chronic diseases. Well, obviously, you know, you do all the preventative tests. I mean, everybody should be going to a doctor that specializes in prevention. And there are not a lot of doctors that are specializing in prevention. I mean, is it easy enough to find a, a doctor that offers all of these screening tests and specializes in prevention? Because you obviously can't see the whole country. There's unfortunately not that many even in Metro Detroit. There really aren't. So we have people in our office, you know, it's not just me. I've got colleagues and um, doctors that I've trained. So there's there's room in our practice for people to come in and, um, you know, and have this, go through this process and have a great idea where you are and what you've got to do. So it's it's important to just have a baseline and know where you stand because when you go to your doctor now and you get a clean bill of health, I hate to say it, that means nothing at all. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean you have a clean bill of health because, as you said, you can still be walking around with cardiac disease. They may be able to diagnose uh, diabetes from taking a blood test that measures sugar, but they're not able to look at the arteries of the heart and the way that you can do it with your testing. We have some Facebook questions. Yeah, well, go ahead. So um, Greg, Mr. Positive, uh, texted in. Oh, good. Um, he to wants to know, again. hello, Greg. We, uh, sorry, we're not, you're not calling in either. Um, so... Greg's asking, does heart disease affect Alzheimer's disease or Parkinson's? Is there a, pars is there a possible relationship? So, um, you know, there is a relationship in that a lot of the drivers of inflammation that cause heart disease also cause Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, specifically, you know, what I call the silent killers, um, insulin resistance, sleep apnea, and periodontal disease, which is bad oral health. All of those three things can cause heart disease in one person, Parkinson's in another, and Alzheimer's in a third person. And we really don't have a great way to measure those other two diseases. So that's why it's important to recognize 
the people that have insulin resistance and periodontal disease and sleep apnea and address them even if they don't have plaque. And that happens in the practice. We have people who have no plaque, but they have those other three conditions. And we, and we work on them aggressively because I don't want that person, my patients developing Alzheimer's or Parkinson's either. Right. We just don't have a great way to measure chance of, having, of, of having Alzheimer's or chance of having Parkinson's. Well, also, I think that um, a lot of these diseases, I mean, certainly Alzheimer's and certainly the precursors to cardiac disease are caught in the oral cavity uh, screening. Um, you know, all of these things are just not known. Right. You know, they're just not known. Hardly and, any of it's known. That's right. the problem. Nobody and, tells you about it. And so, you know, when it comes to, well, just go back to sleep apnea for a second. So we're talking about this one patient who's had an arrhythmia for 25 years. And here I am telling the person to get a sleep test and not the cardiologist. And again, I don't want to say every cardiologist is not doing sleep studies on their arrhythmia patients because they'll make more money if they don't fix the sleep apnea. But you got to wonder. Um, the reality is if you're listening to this show and you have a cardiac diagnosis, you should probably get a sleep study because sleep apnea impacts the disease that you have. And so what if you do a sleep study and, and you don't have it? Well, now you know that you don't have it. And, and a lot of people have negative feelings about treating sleep apnea, but don't let that get in the way of your health because go first identify the disease and then you've got a question to ask or a problem. Should I right. treat this or not? But don't not get the diagnosis because you've already decided you, what you will or won't do. Well, that's not a fair question. Um, you've got to go and do it. Um, and also, I know in your office, and, and uh, that's one of the, the benefits of your practice, is the sleep apnea test is now a home test that you take home. You don't have to go and spend the night in the clinic and being hooked up to all kinds of different wires and machines. You can actually take the, uh, the, the test and do it at home. You know, I have another quick anecdote before the this, this segment ends. So the other lady, you know, the 80-ish year old lady who I've had in the practice forever. So a couple of years ago, three years ago, she's in the hospital because she, she lives in a assisted living and stood up and almost passed out. So she goes and gets a whole workup at the hospital. Of course, they sent her home with no diagnosis. And then I see her and I said, this is sleep apnea. So wow. I do the study. And of course, she doesn't want to do it, but she does it. And I saw her just before I went to Costa Rica. And she had heart failure. She had high blood pressure. It's all gone. We oh were gosh. able to cut out 95% of her blood pressure pills. Most important test, a very simple and easy test that can be taken home, done at home. One of your easiest tests, non-invasive. I think that everybody should actually have this test. In the meantime, we're going to have to take a quick break. You are listening to a special live broadcast tonight where the topic is your health and how to prevent disease. When we come back, if you have a specific question on the subjects we're discussing and you would like to talk directly to the doctor, don't hesitate to call 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to the final segment of our special weekly live broadcast here on 760 WJR on the importance of being proactive and informed of the resources available to prevent and treat 
chronic and debilitating disease. You're listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and one of the very few specialists in prevention in this country. If you have a question for the doctor, now is your chance to ask us at 800-859-0957. We're going to come back to Katrina. You have a caller. Who's calling? Yes, Aaron from Northville. What is your question? Yes, what are those six tests? I would like to list them out, um, if you could, doctor, the six tests we need for the treatment or prevention. Sure. I mean, I'm going to go fast just because it's not great radio. But Amory, you got to change that ad because I know I'm definitely it's, changing it. It's, it's not more necessarily. Than, it's more. It's more it's complicated not, than six. Yeah, tests. it's not really six. So, um, the most. So I'm going to give you what you need to know, which is you need to know you need to get a CT calcium score. Um, you need to get an ApoB level, which is um a total number of your bad lipid okay. particles. Um, you need to get a fasting insulin level, a triglyceride and an HDL to, met, to get an idea about insulin resistance. You need a lipoprotein A, which is a genetic marker for heart disease. Um, a uric acid is important. I've just added that today. Uh, I mean, I do it for everybody, but that's I'm just saying it now because treating elevated uric acids is important uh, to lower risk for cardiovascular disease. Um, and and then of course your CIMT, if you're able to get into our office, uh, that is the number one most important test. And you know, and getting the CIMT if you can't find it, of the other doctors out there, call eight six six Colander. That's eight six six K O L E N D E R. And you can either have it done in Doctor Colander's office, or he'll refer you to somewhere. Thanks for calling, Katrina. We have another caller. Yes, we do. We have Anne from Allen Park. Anne, what's your question? Yes, I'd like to know, um, I do have a breathing machine for my asthma and my sleep asthma, and I do have cardiac issues, but I can't sleep. When, that, when I have that on, I can't sleep. I, I just lay there for a couple hours, and I am tired, but I cannot sleep. Well, follow up with your sleep apnea specialist to maybe have you refitted for a different mask so that it'll work better for you. But don't give up on it. Um, you know, there's other things about sleep you've got to work on, which is you've got to exercise every day. You've got to make sure that you go to bed hungry. You know, you don't want to eat right before bed because that'll trigger acid reflux and wake you up. Um, you want to make sure that the room is the right temperature, you, that you should wear a like eye mask to keep away any extraneous light, which will negatively impact your sleep. So all of these things and more you need to do to optimize your sleep, but don't give up on treating your sleep apnea because it will have a serious issue. But also follow up with your sleep doctor to make sure the mask is the right one for you. Thank you for calling. That is a good caller and that's a good question because I know a lot of people give up on the the CPAP machine very quickly. You know, they get the test, they find out they have it. And I know that there's probably better than 30% of the the people just say, I can't deal with lying on my back. I can't deal with the noise. I can't deal with, you know, having to have the sleep disturbance of that bothers a lot of people. And sometimes they're not just going through one mask. They might be going through another and another. Well, now they have that new device called the Inspire, which I don't have a patient who's used it yet, which is that implantable uh, thing for sleep apnea. So I don't have any experience with it, but 
uh, for people that are, you know, that qualify, that fit the criteria for that procedure, you know, it might be something to look into. So and what is it that they do different with Inspire just for the listening audience? Um, well, it's like a pacemaker almost, and it's, it's implanted and it wraps around your nerve in your neck and you have a, you know, you have an on off button and when you go to bed, you turn it on so that when you're triggering a breath, it increases muscle tone to your airway and it, and it's supposed to fix the sleep apnea. So the data on it was pretty good. I don't like the idea of having an implantable device. But um, that might be just a price to pay to manage sleep apnea in difficult people. And I don't mean difficult people, but people having a hard time adjusting, w- adjusting. to the mask and to the whole process right. so of sleeping with the I mask. don't want to say no yet, but again, it's a new product and I don't have a lot of experience. So what doctors are advising of the doctors that we see are primary care physician? I mean, they're not all saying you should get a sleep apnea test, but it's sounding to me more like everybody should get one. It's well, not that complicated of a test. In my practice, where I'm trying to make sure nobody has a negative cardiac outcome of any kind, I have to screen for sleep apnea. Right. Um, and, and I have the time. You know, like we say, it's a, it's a concierge practice. So I've got more time to spend with each patient to have these conversations. Right. Things I'm telling everybody in the air right now, this is how I talk to my patients. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Sometimes I just, I'm just, you're doing the study. You're doing a sleep test. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you're doing the oral DNA. You're meaning you're getting a, a genetic imprint of the bacteria in your mouth. We're going to do that too. So mm-hmm. uh, these are things that I just, you know, my patients have all heard it now. Mm-hmm. So they know that I'm requiring them to do these things. And I must say, having been in your office for some time this afternoon, it's a very peaceful place. And I think that people don't realize when I'm, you know, when I was looking around your office, there's no one in the waiting room. There's no one ever in the waiting room and patients are coming in and they're seeing you or one of the other doctors and they're getting a whole hour in there with you while you walk them through what they need to do, what they ought to be doing, how they need to change their lifestyle. I mean, it's a whole gulag. It's not just, you know, call up and order a test or come in and get the CIMT and leave. That doesn't work. I think what's missing is that people don't have, they're not given the time or the opportunity to sit and listen to a doctor for a whole solid hour discussing every aspect of their health. And when you go to your office, if you have a two o'clock appointment, you're seeing it too. You're not in the waiting room. You're not losing time. It's, I mean, people really ought to embrace this whole idea of a concierge practice, whether yours or someone else's, but it is a huge difference in the information the patient's getting and the feedback the patient's getting and the guidance. Well, from the doctor's perspective, meaning mine, it's the only way to go. You right. know, I mean, I cannot imagine going back and having to see 40 people in a day and really, I, and, and really, and knowing now what I know now, which is I'm not providing any kind of service at all. Um, before we go, we had one more person on oh, Facebook, yeah, if that's go okay. Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So Kelly reached out to us on Facebook asking, you know, you'll get different results in your Costa Rica study than the U.S. due to pharma's grip on the FDA and the CDC. Well, the reality is there's political issues going on in every country. In every country, yes. And there's there's some politics happening and, you know, it's just the nature of the world. So even though they... Costa Rica has a phenomenal national healthcare system. It's not perfect. 
you know, they don't have the money they have in the United States, but their health system is, and they're willing, to, is, try. They're willing, to, willing try. to try. And they recognize that they want to be proactive and on the cutting edge of prevent of healthcare in general. Same thing with the UK, and I'm jumping in to give them a shout out because they embrace the blood test that detects the 50 worst cancers. Well, when the government is financially involved, you know, and our government is, but they don't care. They just keep blowing money away. So, yeah, there's FDA issues everywhere. There's pharma issues everywhere. Here. And here, too. No, in Costa Rica, everywhere. Yeah, I know. Anyway, it looks like we're more or less out of time, unfortunately, this week. So I'd quickly like to thank Dr. Brian Collender, MD, specialist in prevention for being here tonight and for being willing to share his expertise and knowledge with regards to not only the prevention of disease, but also on the importance of being proactive and engaging with a practice that provides access to the necessary testing. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we hope you got some useful information on how to be your own advocate and take charge of your health, whatever your medical journey. Please continue to tune into our shows Sunday afternoon at 3, Thursday evening live at 7 for the latest medical updates. And thanks for listening to 760 WJR. Good night and be well.